We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Friday. That means it is mailbag time. That's the guy, Ryan Roberts. He looks much better today. Right? He's he's back on the mend. He's feeling better. So he I, I tried to say, hey, look, I'll give you another day. But he was ready to rock and roll. He missed y'all. So Ryan's jumping back into the show today. And we have a lot to discuss, but the topics are going to be determined by you all. So today is the Friday free-for-all mailbag. We obviously would prefer that the topics be stuck to Notre Dame football, Notre Dame basketball, if you'd like. The women's team just had a couple of their recruits named to the McDonald's All-American game. Would have been three if Cass Prosper wasn't already enrolled in school. There's all the college football questions you want. But if there's other things you guys want to get into, we'll get into those too. That's why we call it Friday Free-for-All. So, Ryan, let's get into it, man. we got a lot of great questions. We already have over 30 questions already started, and so we're going to – we're going to get going here, but before we get into questions, I do want to pull up this from one of our members, one of our OGs. Notre Dame 2164 has been with us for a long time, as far as I can remember when we started our breakdown. He says, guys, please say a prayer for my brother, Eric. He's at a very low point in his life and is officially at a crossroads. Please pray that he will make the right choice. Love you guys. Um, we will do that. We will definitely do that. I'm writing that down right now. So we'll be praying for Eric. My wife has a friend uh, whose husband is in a very similar situation. So definitely pray that uh, that he that God grant him the the wisdom and touch his soul to get to where he needs to get to, man. So you definitely have that. So I wanted to kind of start things off with that and and uh, send that out there because that's kind of what we are, right? I mean, we're a community, right? We're not just people here talking sports. We're we're a, we're a community. We're a family to a degree, and so that's one of the things we do here. So we appreciate you bringing that to us. Absolutely. So, Ryan, let's get to some football questions. And we're going to start off with John A1. Speaking of OGs, John A1 with uh, is going to kick us off here with some football questions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I mean, I love that you mentioned there's 30 plus questions already in the chat, Brian. That was before we even started the podcast, which was fantastic. But from John A1, with veteran players joining new programs, what challenges do coaches, coaching staffs face when it comes to player developments? Good question. Yeah. I mean, Brian, can I say, I mean, first and foremost, is that usually the strategy and one that Notre Dame subscribes to is is developing through the high school ranks, right? Being able to recruit at a high level. And then it's almost like a, I mean, I don't want to call it like a, you know, it's not a minor league system, but it is a system of development that you want to start from the bottom and then develop to the peak of the players that they can be obviously throughout the course of their career. Right. So what the transfer portal is doing, in my opinion, John is it's creating an easier pathway for teams to make quick fixes from a year to year basis, which, you know, Michigan state two years ago, for instance, right? Like they were reeling and then they hit a bunch of home runs in the transfer portal. And that was a one-year success, but then you see what Michigan state did this past year. And it's like, but that wasn't sustainable, right? That was a one-year fix. It's not a long-term investment. It's not a long-term answer. So I think that for me, it's when you're talking about the you know, joining new programs, it might help initially. It might help that first year, but long-term, I think it is setting some of these programs back because you're sacrificing development and you are also alienating some players at times with things that they were promised. You bring in quick fixes and then they get angry or upset in the role that they are now in, which is one that they were not kind of looking forward to. So I think that it's a quick fix versus what's long-term investment might be a better thing from sustaining success, if that makes sense. I think what it comes down to for Notre Dame, because it's different for every staff, right? Some staffs don't care if they lose 
other players because they bring in a transfer. Like, well, that guy didn't pan out anyway, so I don't care if he stays, you know, move on from him. And, and that's just the reality of how it goes. But, you know, for a staff like Notre Dame, it's, hey, how, how do we, how does that impact player development? Well, I think it requires that number one, there always be honest conversations when you recruit kids and that there always be honest conversations in the off season when you're talking to kids. And so I, I think that, that you've got to let kids know when you're recruiting them. Look, our goal is always going to do whatever we have to do to go compete for a championship. And that's always going to be our goal. And every move we make is going to be towards that. And if you're someone who can help us with that, then we're going to, we're going to give you that opportunity and we're in that kind of thing. I think here's the other key too, Brian. Notre Dame did not have enough coaches, in my opinion, especially on defense. And I look at the front seven with this being a major problem. They did not have enough coaches, in my view, that spent enough time developing the whole roster. And that's a problem. It's a, it's a lot easier to do that at like running back. You don't have that many guys. Tight end, you don't have that many guys. Offensive line, defensive line, quarterback, even though you'd think it'd be easier because not that many guys, but some coaches tend to just kind of focus on the starter and the backup, and they don't worry about the other guys. Receiver, it's an issue. D-line, it's an issue. O-line, it's an issue. Linebacker, it's an issue. In my opinion, just generally speaking in football, it it's those are issues where you've got to be very mindful of the fact that you're developing the entire roster. Because those are the positions that tend to have the highest numbers of players. And so if you're just someone who, you know, you get your young guy and you bring him in and you just ship him down to scout team for the whole year and then you just don't really deal with him the rest of the year, you're a bad coach. You just are. You're not good at developing players. You're not good at developing young people. And to me, there was a little bit too much of that last year in the front seven, at linebacker and the defensive line from things that I have been told. More so of an issue at linebacker in my view. And that to me is something that's got to change, you know? And so like I told you this example, I talked to a parent of a player who plays corner and his son played very little this year. And one of the reasons his son has not even thought twice about leaving is because he still feels like Mike Mickens is invested in developing him. That's a good freaking college football coach right there because he's not just focused on Benjamin Morris and Cam Hart and Clarence was the guys that are playing. He's coaching the whole roster still, and that's what you love to see. That's what college coaches are supposed to be about. That's how Marcus Freeman was an assistant coach. That's what Marcus Freeman has to demand from all of his assistant coaches. That's one of the things you love about Harry Heastan. We always were told this. You know, Charles Jagasaw mentioned this to Sean Davis in an interview. He's like, I loved how he was coaching the second team, not even the start, how he was coaching the second group of guys and the younger guys. That's what a good coach is supposed to do, Ryan. And, and so for me, that's, that's the key right there. That's how you get development. Because if you're a good coach, kids can develop by not playing on Saturday to the point where they're a little bit more ready to play on Saturday when that time comes. And so as long as you're someone who understands that developing my entire roster for 12 months is my number one priority, my entire roster as a position coach, then at a place like Notre Dame, you're going to be fine because – at the end of the day, Ryan, there there are some programs that are going to be able to kind of just do what USC is doing. And just every year they're going to go to the portal for 10, 12 kids and just reshape their roster because they can kind of pick and choose who they want to a degree. Michigan State can't do that, to your point. Notre Dame can't do that. So you can't sacrifice the future for the present from when it comes to development. 
you can sacrifice the future for the present from the standpoint of maybe a guy doesn't get as many reps in games because you brought in an older player and he's going to play that role, but it can't sacrifice the future from, well, now that, now that we have Sam Hartman, I don't have to worry about developing Tyler Buckner. That, that would be, that would be an example of that's bad. I don't have to worry about coaching up Jaden Mickey or Chance Tucker or whoever else, because I now have Thomas Harper in the slot. Right. Do you think Mike Mickens is going to have that mentality? Heck no. Because he understands I'm going to need that kid someday. I may not need Micah Bell right now, but I may need him in week 10 if we have some injuries. Or I'm going to need him next year, that kind of thing. That's what good coaches do. Hey, I may not need Nolan Ziegler right now or Jalen Sneed right now, but I may need them by the end of the year next year. So I'm going to coach them up accordingly so whenever their number's called, they're going to be ready. Instead of just saying, hey, go play scout team for the next two months and I'll see you in November. <laughs> right. You know, and and that's the reality of Notre Dame has to be that kind of program. And 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 do this is the kind of portal success I expect them to have every year. Four to six kids, and that's about it, right? And it's targeted, to your point, Ryan. But you want to get to the point where you get your positions where the only time you're really going to get in a portal guy is if something strange happens. You have a guy that maybe develops faster than you thought, and he leaves in three years and said, where well, you thought you might have him for five, you know, or four or five, or you have a rash of injuries. Right, you, you, a guy goes pro, and you had two guys suffer major injuries. Well, I gotta, I gotta go to the portal and 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 shore that up. So you're just kind of like you said, picking and choosing these couple spots over here because Notre Dame is not going to be an overhaul the roster every year team like USC. They're just not. Well, and, and, and so and I, stop, don't don't try to be what you can't be. Do yeah. except embrace who you are and and who you need to be and who you are needs to be. We are going to develop every single kid that's on this roster in yep. some, and every kid's at a different stage of development. And if you, and if, if you're in a position like offensive line, so you know what Harry Heastan does, he's got like multiple people that work with the linemen. You got Chris Watt, you got analysts. I mean, there's multiple people that work with those kids. Then, then do that. Right. And, and that's a very important, very important piece to this. Well, and I was going to say that both sides of the coin are not the perfect. It's not the perfect formula, right? Like you need both of them together. You know, like you mentioned, like Notre Dame taking four, five, six guys somewhere in that ballpark is probably a good idea because, yeah, in a perfect world, you want to just recruit and develop and, you know, be almost like a farm system to, you know, how you develop your your process. But at the end of the day, transfers are going to happen. Injuries are going to happen. And I think it's about making a calculated decision that's what's best for your football team, right? And it might – some people might not like it 100%, but it's almost like – you know, Sam Hartman is a person that you used, right? The initial return of Sam Hartman for a year might be, it might be a good investment to maybe take a little bit of time away from a Steve Angeli, for instance, right? Maybe a Kenny Minchie for year one, a little bit, right? You still need to coach those guys up and you still need them to develop, but there is a, there's a slight sacrifice that you need to make because there's a new guy in the room, obviously, right? Some time is going to be allocated towards him, obviously, So I think that there needs to be a direct mix. And I'll also say this, Brian, is that from the other perspective of like load up, because I know, because I mean, be honest, right? Impulse, impulse for my end is that when I see a really talented player hit the portal, I'm like, hey, maybe Notre Dame should look at that guy because I'm like, that guy's a good football player, right? Like you want to bring more talent into the room. But the fact of the matter is, is that quick and easy, I should say known commodities are not always the best commodities. I'll put it like that, right? Like a Byron Vaughn's, for instance, was a guy that we talked about a little bit, right? We'll see a slightly more known commodity than what we have in the Viper room right now if you're Notre Dame. 
Sure. I mean, he's played a lot more football, right? Like, you know more about Byron Vaughn than you do about Aiden Gabayer, for instance. But does that mean that he's the best option? Not necessarily, right? Because you know what he is. You already see his ceiling. You know about where he's going to be as a football player in 2023. I I know very little of what to expect of Joshua Burnham next year. I know very little of what to expect from Aiden Gabayer. But the fact is that if one of those players does hit, or both of them, then it might be better than Byron Vaughn's, right? So right. the known commodity is not always the best commodity, in my opinion. So right. I just want to kind of and, and that that's, a good, that's a good point, Ryan, because you got to look at where are these guys in their development. If a guy's like, this guy is clearly going to need another year, right? Like this guy's not ready. Then say, hey, let's go, let's go find it, right? But if you're like, this kid may not be ready now, but I'm really curious to see what he's going to do in the spring and summer and then fall camp. You may not want to take those reps away from him. And that's kind of my feeling with the Viper. I think the Viper, that was a great example, Ryan, because I don't want to take a single rep away from Josh Burnham and and, and Jordan Patalho and Junior Tuamak and Aiden Gobira. I don't want to have to split that up at all. See who develops. Because you don't need all four of them to develop. You need two of them really to develop. One is a starter and then, you know, a guy that can be a rotation guy. Or maybe you have co-starters because they're both really good. And then the third guy, whatever the case may be. And and you go from there. So I, I think that's a I think that's a, a great example, Ryan, where there are other positions, nickel, where there is no clear answer. Like right. I, I don't know if Jaden Mickey's a natural nickel. Maybe he becomes one, but the staff doesn't doesn't have a lot of confidence in that because they just haven't had a chance to work that with him because he had to be an outside guy this year and he was not a nickel in the in, in so maybe Jaden becomes that guy. And maybe during the spring you realize, hey, now we have two good nickels. But right now it was like we didn't really have any except for Clarence Lewis, who could have been a good nickel. But if you put Clarence Lewis in the nickel, now you take away a corner, you take away a potential safety, and you know you kind of hurt yourself as opposed to adding a guy to that position and then letting him compete. So I think right. that's a great example. And then we had a follow-up question here from Garland Dixie, uh, Garland Doxy, excuse me. Uh, he, he says, to piggyback off John A1, does it also affect development when kids don't have the pressure of someone taking their spot so they can complacent? coach and player i think that's very very accurate i i think that's a big thing is as long as transfers have to win their spots that's the big thing you've got to make sure that and this is something that kind of hurt a little bit of the the chemistry in 2021 ryan is because there were some people that would watch certain transfer play and say that guy is not good like week after week after week and you keep trotting him out there and I don't understand why. Right. And, and I think as long as you can avoid those situations, like, hey, look, this guy, this guy uh, you brought in, you know, Sam Hartman comes in, he's throwing six interceptions every day and struggling and all this. And then Tyler Buckner's just ripping the defense apart and you keep starting Sam Hartman. They're going to be like, you know, um, why? Like, okay, so clearly – there, this isn't this isn't a meritocracy like Marcus Freeman says, right? This isn't about best man's going to play. You clearly must have promised that guy this, that, or the other thing. As long as you avoid that, so hey, so and so comes in, but during fall camp, so and so is your third your third best player at that position. You better make him your third best player, knowing that you may hurt yourself in the portal down the road, because you've got to make sure that the culture in your program never changes. And I think Garland's got a good point. Is hey, you may think, hey, I'm next in line. I'm next in line in this position. I have arrived. Nope, because we're going to bring in somebody to compete with you, and I, and I think that's healthy as long as you have an as long as you have a culture of we're going to play the best guy, whether it's right. a freshman returner, transfer whoever. Then I think that they'll be 
I think they'll be fine. Well, I think they'll be fine. You mentioned what makes a good coach. I also think what makes a good coach is knowing that, hey, I might have this super talented kid, but he's a kid that needs a kick in the butt occasionally, right? A kid that needs to be challenged. Then that is even a more of an indicator of like, hey, getting a veteran that's a more known commodity to compete with this kid, not necessarily be the starter, that added pressure could help you, right? But then there's other kids that, I mean, like there's some players, Michael Michael Mayer is like one that comes to mind for me where it's like, I don't know if he ever needs to be challenged to be the best version of himself. Right? Go back to your original example, Ryan, of Viper. Yeah. Everything. So it's like Jordan Patojo never had a question with him about talent. It's always, where's his focus at, right? Mm-hmm. So do you need to bring in a transfer to push him? Well, you got to evaluate what you have behind him. And from everything I've heard about the players behind him, they're grinders. Josh Burnham gets after it. Junior Chalamaka gets after it. So, okay, we don't need to bring in a transfer to, to push him. We've got those kids already here. Sometimes you may not have that, Ryan, and, and to your to your point. And, and look, sometimes, too, it's simply about, hey, this kid's doing everything we're asking him to do. We got a chance to go get a transfer that's a significantly better player, and that's what we got to do because we're Notre Dame and we're trying to win a championship. Now, I think, uh, you know, we like to use, like, references and, like, movies and food references and historical references and all that, but I'll say this, Ryan. One thing that pops in my head when I think about this, I always think about the movie Miracle. Did you ever see that movie with oh, Kurt yeah. Ross? Okay. Do you remember the scene where he brings in that stud from his his college team? Yes. And he brings him in and he lets the kid try. I mean, it was like, it was a mental, it was a mental, he was playing mind games with those kids. Timmy, Timmy Hare or something yeah. like that. Think, and yeah. and yeah. they went to him and were like, hey, you know, this, we're a family, we're here. And so like, you've got to kind of have that too, because sometimes you may do something and say, hey, we're not going to do this because I think it's going to hurt the culture of our program. Or sometimes I think our, I think our culture is getting complacent. So I'm going to do this to shake things up a little bit. Either way is is kind of a direction that you want to go with that, Ryan. And and you know that's part of it too. Is you, you've got to you've got to know the needs of your of your roster, not just from a we need a nickel or we need a quarterback standpoint, but what's this going to do to our locker room? And sometimes it's it's going to shake it up, and sometimes that is going to be a good thing. And sometimes that's not a good thing. And you've got to know your team well enough to know what that's going to be. Yes. Back back to being a good coach, understanding right. how your guys are going to react to that. that. That's big. That's why the we also talk about the personality and kind of the relationship building from a recruiting perspective. And that's why it matters, right. man. You need to know who you're bringing into the room to understand what makes them tick. So great Absolutely. conversation there. Yes. Great, great, great starter. Great starter to this. We got one here from uh, from Tommy Guns here. Tommy Guns. Yep. Tommy Guns wants to know for his mailbag question, Android or iPhone? Brian, I don't, I don't think it's iPhone. close, man. I'm an iPhone close. simply because that's what my wife bought me. So. iPhone. iPhone. Bro. Yes. I was, I was an Android believer for a long time. Then I got an iPhone. I'm like, yeah. I, yeah. Was, I was a little bit of an Android apologist for a while. And then I quickly realized that iPhone, in my opinion, is quite superior. I think I've told you this, Ryan. But if if I could have a flip phone, I would you, I would be Jethro Gibbs, man, NCIS, right? I'd, you're like, I'd, I'd you're like my dad, program. man. You're like yeah, my dad. I, I hate how big iPhones are. They just take up so much. Like, I just give me a little small little flip phone, and I'll be good to go. But uh, especially if I had an iPad, like then my iPad could do everything my iPhone can do, and I'd be much happier. But see, see, see my my dad's a uh, maintenance director, so he 
does a lot of you know maintenance work throughout the day so he always just like messes up his phones and stuff so he's like yeah. just give me a flip phone sure. that thing's indestructible i'm like sure yeah. i get it I for get real it. for real yeah the way it works in our house is uh whenever a new phone comes out and my wife wants it she gets it and then i get her hand me down so that's just whatever it's how it works and i don't care because if i'm not a phone guy so. pretty much how my dad is too in my in my mom and dad's yep. household so yep absolutely and tommy guns has has another one so uh here's an interesting question so from Tommy, which makes I- Irish Breakdown more money usually? Live shows with Super Chats or recorded ones with ads? Super, the, all shows have ads. So number one. So we're not getting ad revenue from you watching necessarily right now because you're watching live and there's no ads. But a lot of people, most of our listens. So we'll have like right now we have like 240 people in the chat right now, which is a, a low number. It's it's steadily growing. It's been up about 50 up, up 50 in the last five minutes, five, 10 minutes. But you know, so so we have a ton here, but this this will this show will get five six thousand views at the end, and those vast majority of those are going to be people watching later. So our our ad revenue doesn't change a whole ton. When we have good months making money off this show, it's when we get a lot of super chats. I mean, that's just the reality of it. So uh, the ad revenue really doesn't change a whole lot. Uh, it, it it doesn't. It's that's why football season tends to be a much better. Um, much better financial situation for us because we make a lot more money in the fall. We do it throughout the year simply because, I mean, it's still better than not doing it. And because we like y'all and we want to keep building this community up, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much how it works. And then also we make a lot more money off the podcast than we do the YouTube channel. So the other thing is we do these live shows and then we put them on the podcast app and that's where we make um, even better money. So, so I say, Unless you just like looking at us, if you're going to listen to the show later, it it's it's it for us it's it's better to do it on the podcast. So, so what you're saying is is that Tommy should send us a super chat to apologize for his name right now. Yeah, I think so. Name. I think that's long overdue. Yeah, yeah. I think it's long. That's, overdue. I think that's like a I think that's like worthy of like 200 bucks, honestly. But it's just my opinion. <laughs> nah, he's all good. Just kidding. He's all good. All right, here's one from Irish Blooded Ryan. Besides Marcus Freeman, who do you think is the next head coach to win their first national championship? That's a, I mean, look, I mean, let's look at the coaches that are close, Ryan. I mean, I think you got to look at Ryan Day. I mean, he's he's not that far away. And they were a, a just get one more first down or one more stop in the fourth quarter from from beating Georgia. And if they beat Georgia, I think they probably beat TCU. Uh, uh, yeah, I have one. I, yeah. I think it's Josh Heupel's my answer from Tennessee. I like sure. what he's doing at Tennessee. Sure. I do. He's, he's got a lot of improvement he needs to make to the roster. I want to see him also develop a culture that can sustain a, a whole season. Yep. But he's doing some good things there. He's doing some good things there. Um, I mean, I, I don't think Mike Norvell is, an, uh, is a silly one to mention now because the more he keeps winning at Florida State, the more he's going to start getting better players. And and you're in a league where you can ascend. Uh, you know, I think Lincoln Riley's in that conversation as well. I mean, you you can't ignore that because he has not won a national championship yet. I don't know if the way he's building his roster is going to be good enough to win a championship, but they're not that far off. And as long as he's got a big time quarterback, because that's the key to Lincoln Riley's offense. When he doesn't have a big time quarterback, they're not as good. Just go watch what his team was with Lincoln Riley with uh, Spencer Rattler. They weren't anywhere close to being a title contender. So he needs that dude. And if he has that dude, then he's pretty good. So, you know, they're a team to watch out for this year to potentially make a get hot and, and make a run. Look, I mean, I, there, I wanna, there's 
I want to see what year two looks like, but Dan Lanning at Oregon's, I think, is an interesting yeah. one. He's he's building something pretty. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't like the least. way he's building it. I don't I don't yeah. I don't like the way he's building it, and I don't like the way his team folded down the stretch. To be honest with you, I think he's kind of a prick too. So I kind of dislike him a little bit. I agree. I agree. But you know, I think every time his team faced a, a really tough challenge, they kind of punked, got punked a little bit last year. And to me, that that said something a little bit to me, like you got all this like, you know, tough bravado. You just out talented people, you know, but when you had to go against somebody could punch you in the mouth a little bit, you didn't you didn't really handle it real well, you know. And, you know, they had the one example against UCLA was a good win, but you know they got smashed by Georgia. This got absolutely embarrassed in the second half against Oregon State, got out coached by Washington. And honestly, they had a nice one over Utah. They played like crap in that game. It's just Utah played even worse. I mean, Cam Rising was missing wide open dudes the whole game. That to me was more about how bad Utah played than it was about how how Oregon played. And they had no business winning over North Carolina in that game. Again, that was more about North Carolina than it was about Oregon. So, yeah, he's doing some things, but I just I don't think he's. I think the whole bond, he like Lincoln Riley went out and sort of built a sort of an all an all star team with transfers and stuff, but and they did some buying too. But the way that he went about buying players late without having the established relationships, you're just trying to find a player to fit a role. I don't know how that's going to work, man. I really don't. I really don't. And uh, honestly, I dislike him a little bit, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. So I'm kind of rooting against I him. That. I mean, I if, if Oregon had Oregon State's coach, we'd be having a conversation about that. If Jonathan Smith was an Oregon, we'd be having a different conversation. You know, how does Texas do with Steve Sarkeesian? You know, can he can he recruit well enough and to build a defense? That's a question mark. I'll tell you my you know who my sleeper is in the Pac twelve instead of Dan Lanning? It's Kalen DeBoer. You know, because Washington is a state that produces a lot of in state talent. You can recruit California and he's got a very, very dynamic offensive system. You know, and and um it, it, it you're recruiting to Seattle, you're not recruiting to Eugene. Let's be honest, that's a different animal. And some may say that's good. Some may say that's bad, but Seattle's a much bigger city and, and a lot more happening there. So I, you know, that's one to kind of keep an eye on too, Ryan, for me, but you know, I don't, I don't like put Jim Harbaugh on that conversation. I don't put Jim, I mean, Jimbo's won a title. I don't, I don't think Brian Kelly's a guy that's going to win a championship at, at LSU. If you include him to, I don't even know if you should include Brian Kelly in this conversation because he has won two championships. I mean, not at the Division One level, but he's a national champion. Brian Kelly has national championship rings. I mean, so you can't discredit that. So, as much as I dislike him, when he goes into the you know the hall, up for Hall of Fame vote, you can't say, "Wait, well, never won a national championship." Yet, yes, he did. He absolutely did, and he would have won three if Kurt Ains doesn't get hurt in the playoffs in that first year, because his best team might have been that first team that lost in the playoffs because Kurt Ains got Kurt Ains got hurt. That team was disgustingly good. So th- those would probably be my my answers for that one, Ryan. Probably I, I like I like I like the Kalen DeBoer one. I just this is where I am with that though, is that I think he's a really good coach. And I think that he's gonna build Washington into a consistently re- good to really good football team. I just question if Washington's gonna be able to recruit to the degree to win a national championship. That's just I think where they I can am. because okay. of this because of what the state produces. I'll give you an example. If Kalen DeBoer was in year three of what he's building right now, when Emeka Egbuka was coming out of high school, do you think he leaves the state and goes to Ohio State? 
or do you think he might stay in home? Right. You, you know what I mean? It, it, what about Tobias Merriweather? Right? right. I mean, so to me, Washington produces really good football players. I mean, Notre Dame's had some of them. They can recruit the state of California. They can recruit Hawaii. They can, and, and they've proven to be a pretty decent, you know, transfer destination because of what happened with Michael Penix. So I also look at the fact that one of the things that tells me about what kind of culture a coach is building is, is how your players handle when they have opportunities to go make money. And you saw three guys that had a chance to be potential day two draft picks this year say, no, I'm coming back because I want to I want more of this. Now, part of it is because they maybe want to become day one draft picks. But look, you tell me if I'm wrong here. Jalen McMillan with a good offseason is a potential day two draft pick. Roma Dunze with a good offseason is a potential day two draft pick. And Braylon Trice, to me, is definitely a day two type of draft pick if they had come out this year. Yeah, right. I, I, I think they, Trice is a top 50 pick if he comes they out. He's very all good. came back, right? Yeah. They all came back. Part of it is to improve their draft stock. We're not naive, but the other part is they want to be a part of what, what he's building there. And that says something to me about the kind of culture that he's building there, Ryan. So I think Washington can recruit well enough because, again, it's recruit well enough to do what? Win two games, win three games in the postseason moving forward. They're going to have a greater opportunity to get into the playoff now because of the expanded playoff. And they're not going to have the same gauntlet week after week after week that other that you know other teams are going to have to have, especially the Big Twelve, the SEC when it adds Texas and 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 Oklahoma, the Big Ten when it adds USC and UCLA. That's the other part too. Is he's now going to be in a Pac-12 that's going to be much easier to dominate, much easier to dominate. And I think you're going to see some of those West Coast kids be like, I don't want to play all. If I wanted to play all my games in the freaking Midwest, I would go play in the Big Ten. You'll go to a Big Ten school. So I think you're going to see some West Coast kids that don't want to play in the cold. You're going to say, well, why am I going to go to USC when I have to play two months of my season? They're going to be playing in the cold, you know, in road games. So I think that'll help Washington as well. So that's a that's a dark horse team for me. I mean, long way to go, right? They're a long way away from sure. that right now. But look, they've got they've got a really good foundation. And, you know, look, he beat Texas this year at the end of the year. That's a That's a name win. Um, he, he's doing a really nice job. And there's going to be a lot of receivers that are going to start looking at that school as like, hmm, and go to USC and compete. Yeah, ex- quarterbacks as well. I can go to USC and have to compete with nine other receivers. Or I go to Washington and be the dude, you know, and I think that's something. But, but, again, I think a part of it is that's a state that produces a lot of really good football players. And, and so they've had success going down into Arizona and getting kids. That's where they got Braylon Trice. They beat Notre Dame for Braylon Trice. Notre Dame wanted him. So I that that's they're a dark horse for me, Ryan. They're a dark Man. horse for me. Now, I, I have dreams of Braylon Trice as a big end in Notre Dame's defense, yeah. but that's a or or flip him day. and Fosky, whatever. Have <laughs> him on opposite ends. I don't care how you do it. Man. Yeah, that would be uh that that would be that would be fun to watch. That would yes. be fun to watch. Let's got a super chat here from Ryan Prot. Ryan says, um, uh, yeah, go ahead. You got that one, Ryan? Sorry. Yeah. Force no, no, you're fine. You're fine. Great first name, Ryan, by the way. Hey, guys, have you heard that Notre, um, that Notre Dame's involvement in the video game next year? I know Swarbrick said they wouldn't be involved unless the players got paid. Appreciate the work y'all do. So we're talking about NCAA for next year. Mm-hmm. The players are going to get paid. I mean, that's the reality of it. That's the whole point of why they're bringing it back. You know, that's going to be a thing of what, – what I wonder is – 
is he saying that, well, we're going to get our cut. You need to make sure you get another cut to the players. Or EA is going to be like, uh, we're giving you your cut, and you can disperse it however the heck you want to disperse it. You give the players whatever you want from it. That's up to you. That's what I would like to see. But look, there's going to be no way that the Notre Dame's not in that. Like Marcus Freeman and his entire staff and everybody involved with the football program and people like us will raise holy heck. And recruits will too. Oh, well, no, no. (laughs) It it won't. I mean, recruits just make, well, you're clearly not relevant. Yes. I mean, look, you don't, that's a cultural phenomenon. It is. And if I go, if I go to Notre Dame, I can't be on NCAA football. Don't kid yourself that some teenagers will make a decision off of that. If they're close and it's like I'm Notre Dame or here, I'm like Notre Dame don't even they won't even let me be on in NCAA football. That'll crush them. So there's it, to me a lot of that. I think what y'all have to understand is a lot of that's just negotiation. Jack Swar- Swarbrick's a lawyer. What's he supposed to say? No, no, we'll, we'll figure it out. You just gave away all your leverage because he, here's the deal: Notre Dame needs to be on NCAA football, but don't kid yourself. NCAA football needs Notre Dame as well. You know, so neither side wants it to be where they don't don't get it. So if you're Jack Swarbrick, you can't just give away all your leverage. Your only leverage you have is we won't participate unless you get us a deal that you want, because here's the unique thing about Notre Dame. Notre Dame negotiates by itself with, with EA sports about that. Whereas everything else is part of the NCAA or their conference, right? You ever remember back in the, in the day when it would load, you have all the different logos of, of people that, and there'd always be like that Notre Dame logo with all the conferences and NCAA. And there's just that Notre Dame all by itself. So Notre Dame is in a unique position. So they don't have the SEC bargaining chip of where the SEC, you don't pay us what we want. And 16, you don't get 16 schools. Notre Dame's by itself. And so that's their leverage. They're going to be in the game. There's no way. Jack Swarbrick, one thing, whether you like all his decisions or not, Whatever you think about Jack Swarbrick, that's a pretty sharp dude. He's not stupid enough to actually not have Notre Dame in that. But he also is smart enough to know, I have to use the only leverage I have, and the only leverage I have is to threaten that we're not going to be in the game. And so it's a bargaining chip. That's all it is. So I, I'm fully confident that Notre Dame will be, will be in that, Ryan. I don't yeah, know if you have thoughts the, on that. No, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I, I never even once thought that there would be a possibility that they wouldn't be in it, right? And I mean, I need mm-hmm. them to be in it because I'm tired of playing NCAA 14 and yes. getting bored. I wanna, I want the real deal moving forward. I want to move back to the triple option, the heydays of Notre Dame football. Let's get it rocking, baby. That's all. That's all it Notre is. Notre Dame was not a triple option team; they were a power option team. <laughs> there is a difference. There is a difference. You weren't even born when they were running that offense. I didn't want to hear it. So. <laughs> Um, here, here we got another one from, from John A1. From John A1. With veteran players joining – oh, we already answered this one. Oh, we did? Sorry. Yes. My, my bad. John says, if Deion Colsey, Tobias Merriweather, and Jane Thomas are the 1A wide receiver unit, which three are the best 1B units for Notre Dame? That's a good one, Ryan. Uh, for me, it would be Lorenzo Styles. Uh, I would go Lorenzo Styles at X. Okay. I would go uh, Caleb Smith at W. And I would go uh, um, Jaden Greathouse at Z in the slot. So just so people know, somebody asked this on the board. This is a very good question. The guy was like, look, in my whole life, I've always looked at the boundary receiver as the X. Why did you guys change it? We didn't. That's just what Notre Dame calls it. If, If in my offensive system, the boundary is the X. 
So um, that, that's yeah, it's always been that way. So I, but that's just what Notre Dame calls it. So we're just so that way. Like I've never called a, a weak side end a viper. So Notre Dame calls it. So um, yeah, that's what I well, would. Yeah. We we a hundred percent agree. Caleb Smith is the boundary receiver, the W in this situation. I also agree with the two guys you said to the field there. I mean, you know how high I am on Jaden Greathouse, right? So Jaden Greathouse, Lorenzo Styles. I wouldn't necessarily pencil them into a slot or to the field necessarily. I think that they could be a little bit interchangeable yeah. in some ways. I don't know if you agree with that. The but reason I, that I would go with Jaden Thomas there is because I don't want to, uh, you know, you're you're looking at your second team. I, I, there's merit to having two different types of slots in certain situations. But if I'm talking about what my depth chart would be, my number two there is going to be a guy that's going to be similar to the guy that's the number one. So I don't have to completely change my offense if my number one gets hurt. Now that doesn't mean there's not a role for a, 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 a Caleb Smith, the younger role there, or Lorenzo to play there in a different type of role for the slot. So there's always going to be a little bit of crossover in that regard, Ryan. But as far as just like who's my my depth chart, meaning when I look at the one B, it's who steps into the lineup if that guy goes down, and that's where it comes from. So I, I think we're on the same page on that. Yep. Is I, I like having a, a slot that can do some different things, but that's a guy that you know, may not be my number two. He may just kind of work in because we need that. We need that. And I think honestly, right now, when you look at the 2023 roster, the guy that's going to give me a lot of that is not a receiver. It's going to be Chris Tyree out of the backfield is kind of how I'd look at it, to be honest with you. So if you don't have Chris Tyree, then maybe you need to figure out how to get somebody else that opportunity. That would, But that would be my group. That would be my group. Love it. Got another one from Irish Blooded here. I responded, who do you think has a worse one-year record after realignment, Texas or Oklahoma to SEC or USC and UCLA to the Big 12? I mean, Big 10, excuse me. Well, it, it depends on it depends on when it happens. Yeah. Because if Texas or – if see, here's the funny thing. The admin at those schools continue to screw their football teams over, or at least try. I'm talking about the SEC teams. So not only are you going to make them leave the Big 12, where Oklahoma's dominated that conference for like a decade, and Texas is on the verge of becoming a dominant program in that conference, now you move them to the SEC. Stupid thing number one, when you're talking about just for the football team, not for revenue, because this isn't a football decision. This is a money decision. That's it. There's one reason, one reason only they're moving to the Big 10 for USC and UCLA, and there's one reason and one reason only that US that, that Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC. It's money. That's it. There's no good football reason for either one of those things to be true. So we can just get that out of the way. Now you're trying to expedite the process. To return to, so now you're limiting the number of years that Venables and Sarkeesian have to stockpile their roster, stock their and build their rosters up before they then have to go compete in that league. And so I think the team that would have the worst one-year record because of that, to me, it's either UCLA or Oklahoma. Because I think both of those rosters are in a really tough spot. Like Oklahoma went to the portal for a lot of kids this year, but they're going to lose a lot of those kids next year. Because a lot of those portal kids are one-year guys. Not all of them, but a lot of them. You're going to be breaking in a new quarterback in 2024. So I think Oklahoma, you know, where is in 2024, you're going into year four of Sarkeesian, and he's going to have either Quinn Ewers, who's taken hold of that job, and is that guy, or Arch is the guy. And I just think their roster's in a better position 
with guys they've recruited out of high school, which means more time to develop in the program where Oklahoma is going to have to hope that they can get a bunch of portal success next year. And I don't see that going overly well. So I think UCLA is going to have a tougher move to the Big Ten just because I don't know where their roster is going to be. They're going to lose a lot of guys again next year. But I'll say this, Ryan, UCLA does have the easiest transition style of play-wise into their new conference. Sure. They very much fit. Like if UCLA, if you just didn't look at UCLA geographically and just looked at how they played, they very much are like a traditional Big Ten West team. Power running football team. You know, I mean, that's that's who they are. So I just don't know where their talent or their roster is going to be. USC will be Fair. fine. They'll, they'll, they'll be in the Ohio State of the other division or if they go pods or whatever the case may be. I don't know how they're going to align it. But I think USC will make a, a fine transition. And I think Texas will make a smoother transition than Oklahoma, in my opinion. I, I think talent-wise, Texas could make a pretty smooth transition. But my biggest question, because we're talking about a foresight of the year of a year out, right, is Sark is – Sark's coming into a very important year in 2023, in my opinion, right? He's had a couple years now to stockpile talent. What if Texas goes seven and five this year, eight and four? Like, is that good enough? You know, and then are you going to be dealing maybe with potential transition period going, making that move to the Big Ten? Like, that's my only question. Or the SEC, excuse me. I mean, that's my only question with the Texas conversation, because I agree with you. They're recruiting at a nice level. I think they are acquiring a good amount of talents. And I think that that roster is going to be better and it's going to be it's going to be okay moving into the SEC from a talent level perspective. I just coaching stability is something that I'm curious to see. Oklahoma, I think, is in some trouble, man. I do because th- yeah, they're going to recruit at a pretty good level, but at the at the end of the day, if players aren't buying in to what the coaching staff is selling, that is going to be a tough situation, in my right. opinion, right? Because that was the one biggest disappointment I had with Venables in year one was it wasn't the fact that they lost some football games in not great fashion, which is never good. But I really felt like the team quit a, a few times last year. I really did, man. Like I, I felt like there was no buy-in, right? And your what is your reaction to the buy-in? Is to buy players? To buy try to buy in still? Like I just think that there's I'm not very optimistic with the future of Oklahoma football, so I agree that they have a tougher yeah. transition compared to Texas. I am curious to see what the buy, what the coaching just stability is going to look like for Texas going into the transition to the SEC. But I agree. I think Oklahoma's in a tougher spot there. USC, I think, will be fine because at the end of the day, the Big Ten, we've talked about it a ton, outside of the top two teams – it tapers off, right? There's a lot of question marks in the Big Ten outside of the top two. So I think USC will be fine. UCLA, I think, will be fine if they're able to acquire the talent. But to your point, you know, will it be good enough to come in and have a seamless transition? I think that that's a question to have. But if the Big Ten was is anything in 2024 like it was this past season, then I mean, can't they be a can they beat an Iowa, a team that almost made the Big Ten championship game? You know what I mean? Like it's just. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten's a funky destination right now for any team right now. It's just yeah. – it is not a – it's a very poor conference after the top two. It re- uh, top three. Penn State's – Penn State proved me they're a good team. I mean, dude, they went 11-2. and two. They beat Utah, who you hyped up all year as a, as a great team. So, I mean, I, I think they're a good team. Are they in the same league as Michigan and Penn State? No, they're not. But they're a good football team. They're a good football team. They've had – I mean, you keep shrugging your shoulders, but they've had how many 10-11 win seasons in the last six years? 
Okay, so now you're just being kind of a jerk about it, or you actually feel that way? I'm, I'm not being a jerk. I don't think I, okay. I've never not once last year did I watch Penn State and thought they were a good football team. Just me. Personally. So you think they so, went 11 and two because they suck? I don't think the Big Ten was very good last year. I don't That's think the Big Ten was very good either, but they're not a bad they, football. They had a good win over Utah. Utah yeah. was also dealing with some injuries. Came rising was banged they're up. They're a top game 25 well. program. I mean, Would you say that they don't believe? Oh yeah, sure. Time. Okay, sure. so that's a good football program. They're not in the same level as the top two, but they're not in the same level as Iowa and Michigan State and Wisconsin and all those other programs. There's clearly that middle ground there where they are right now to me, right? Uh, that's fair. That's fair. So that's what I'm saying. There's there's three good teams in that league. And I also think this too, Ryan, is Penn State's last two recruiting classes have been really good. Sure. Like they've added some dudes. Now, I don't have a lot of faith in James Franklin that's going to be able to get the most out of those dudes. If sure. we're going to be honest about it, but they're able to out. Here's the thing, right? To me, mm-hmm. I think your reaction, tell me if I'm wrong, is due to the fact you just watch them like they're just not a really maximized roster. They don't, they're not a really well coached team. You don't think they're going to go to this game. Boy, they're going to scheme this up or do that. 100%. But the thing about it is, is the NFL every year shows, the combine every year shows that that team has talent. And what it Penn State does is they just out talent that entire league except for two teams. And that's Ohio State and Michigan because they get out. They have more athleticism than Michigan. They can't compete with Michigan in the trenches, and Michigan's a better coach football team. And the only reason they're competitive against Ohio State every year is because that's the only team in the Big Ten, to me, that has the athletes to run with Ohio State. But they're just not coached well enough to actually beat Ohio State. Here's an example. A buddy of mine yesterday said this to me, Rye. He said, I think Ohio State's going to lose to Penn State next year. I said, well, makes you say that? He goes, well, they play them tough every year. I say, yeah, that's true. But how many times they actually beat Ohio State in the last 10 years? Right. They've beaten them a few times. Right? I said, once. From 2012 to last year, they've beaten Ohio State once. And that was that 2016 year where they won the Big Ten. So, yeah, they play them tough every year because they had Saquon Barkley. They had, you know, Tracy McSorley was a really good college quarterback in that system. They've had Chris Godwin. They had Mike Jacecki. They've had Miles Sanders. I mean, they have legit NFL skill talent. Yes. And 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 yet they still can't beat Ohio State. Why? Because Ohio State's coached better. But I do think when you look at Ohio, when you look at them, they've got a they've got a Rose Bowl win. They've got a Cotton Bowl win. I mean, they've been a good team. And if they ever actually hired a coach that I thought was good, they would quickly become a much better team. I mean, look, we were begging for that for Notre Dame to land the running back and the quarterback they signed last year. I mean, how fired up would we have been if they would have got Drew Aller and Nick Singleton? So, and Notre Dame wanted Caden Saunders as well. They wanted Drew Shelton. I mean, they Penn State kicked Notre Dame's butt on the recruiting trail in the 2022 class on offense. They want they wanted Drew Shelton to tackle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Early on, they liked him a lot, and they tried to flip him a bunch of times. He just wasn't. He just he wasn't having it. Uh, but no, they're not on the same level as Michigan, Ohio state that we definitely agree on, but I definitely yep. think they're a good, and trust me, it pains me to say this because I've lived in Pennsylvania around a lot of Penn state fans, but they're a good program. They're just not, they're just not where Ohio state and Michigan are. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see as like the Matt rules of the world's kind of get entrenched yeah. in like a Nebraska. If, if yeah. cause that, that, that is my biggest thing about Penn state is that, so if Nebraska starts bridging that gap a little mm-hmm. bit, right, and then it comes down to James Franklin versus Matt Rule, for instance, I mean, it's just kind of right. That's a little bit of a difference nope. maker for well, me. Well, and, and, and look what happened last year, Ryan, when when Penn State, when Michigan State had that team that actually had legit NFL players on it. Because didn't Kenny Walker play a bunch in the NFL this year? 
Oh yeah, he was good this year. He yeah. ran for like almost a thousand yards. Yeah. And they had did, that other receiver that left. And he did he get drafted? He got drafted, right? The kid that came out last year, I can't remember if he did or. But oh, they had some um, NFL players. Um, because it well, Speedy Naylor was Jalen Naylor last year. Yeah, right? I think so. I think yeah. so. Uh, but then you, you so so then you know they had legit talent last year, and you know look what happens. They beat right. Penn State, right? <laughs> it 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 always happens, right? If if they play a team that has talent that's on their level and it's coached well, they lose a lot. And like Michigan and Penn State have had this weird back and forth where Penn State tends to always win at home and Michigan always tends to win at home. They they yeah. had that different dyna- weird, weird dynamic, but Michigan has kind of taken that one back over in recent years. Why? Because as much as I dislike Jim Harbaugh and I don't think he did a good job in 2020, he's done a great job the last two years developing those no teams. No doubt. And they're just a much better coach football team. I don't think Penn State had worse talent than Michigan did this year. I just think yeah. Michigan was a better team, just a better coach team. And uh, you know they're gonna have they're gonna have a lot of talent. They're gonna have the they're gonna have a lot of talent. I, I think I think I mean I still think Penn State's a gold mine if they get oh, the yes. right coach in there because you can recruit so that's, there. So that statement right yeah. there, Ryan, is exactly where you. Were, so yes, that tells me everything you I need to know about why you did the shrugging your shoulders thing. It's not having faith in James Franklin, and I completely yeah. agree with you. I mean, every uh, year I, I have to watch guys like Brandon Smith come oh. out where I'm just like, that kid's a freak, but he's not a good football player. Why is that? Why did that not happen? Like, it just doesn't right. make any sense. And then the guys that are big-time players were just – I mean, Saquon Barkley was that dude when he showed up at Penn State. <laughs> Jason Jason Oway. It's right. like, how is that kid right. not productive? How well, did you not do that? So, and I, I thought – that's a great point because he – did he have a sack? He didn't have a sack in his last year. No, he didn't. It's insane. But uh, the one position I thought they were doing a good job of producing well-coached players for a few years, and then that guy left, was wide receiver. Yes. Like Chris Godwin and K.J. Hamler. Like, he was doing a good job of developing those guys. I can't remember who their receivers coach was. And then they just fired the guy that they replaced him with, Taylor Stubblefield. They just fired. So it uh, it's an interesting program. But, yes, it is a it is a program that if you hire the right coach – and. It's interesting you bring up Matt Rule, Ryan, because that's a guy I know a lot of Penn State people kind of was hoping it would be their coach yes. someday. Yep. And and what does he do at Nebraska now? Because I look at him at Nebraska, you know, Fickle, Wisconsin. We'll see what he does. But another one is Bielema at Illinois. If he can start recruiting, and he's already done a good job. They're getting the Caden Fegan kid was a really nice pickup for them. Yep. Uh, getting uh, Melvin uh, Eli. Melvin Eli. <laughs> That's a basketball player. Yes. Uh, getting Malik Elzey. Malik Elzey. <laughs> so was a really nice. Now, did I want him at Notre Dame? No, but Michigan wanted him. Yep. You know, he's a good football player. The key for them is going to be this. He's got to find a quarterback. It doesn't have to be a big-time guy. It could be a Cade McNamara. Look, honestly, Illinois, if they just had a Cade McNamara type, would be a good football team. I have a mailbag question for you, Ryan. Okay. Do you think – Cade McNamara is a needle mover for Iowa. For Iowa? Yes. Yeah. For Iowa, okay. he is, in my opinion. Okay, explain, because yeah. I was curious how you're going to see about that, because you and I have the same opinion of him as a talent. Yeah. But explain I mean, that. Cade McNamara is an extremely dependable football player, not overly talented, but you can depend on him. He doesn't turn the football over, and he's careful with the ball overall, right? I mean – Iowa somehow still wins a decent amount of football games every year and with Spencer Petras playing quarterback, right? And Spencer Petras That's one of the is, worst power five quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life. He's awful, man. Somehow he got like a 
got an all-star game invite to somebody. It's just like, okay, you're just, he's six, five and white. And you're like, yep, that's a guy. And has a um, big arm. Yeah. Yes. He has a huge arm. No doubt. But I mean, really what Iowa needed last year was they needed stability offensively. Right. Cause they were just so bad. And, do I think Kane McNair is going to upgrade them to be one of the best offenses of the Big Ten? No, I don't. But what I think that he's going to do is not turn the football over a ton and keep an offense regulated, right? Just keep it moving. Keep it moving. It might ne- never be flashy. I don't think they're going to average like 35 points a game or anything like that, but it's going to be better than what it was. There's no doubt because Kane McNair has such a good baseline as a quarterback. Does he have eye ceiling? He does not. But his floor is substantially higher than what a Spencer Petrus is at this point. And honestly, at Iowa, I don't need star quarterback play, man. I need no. a guy that just does a good job. Exactly. Like, job, keep it moving, man. The oh, baseline the ball, is defense. The baseline is so and I'll put it to you like this. The talent gap between Keaton Slovis and Caleb Williams was not as great as the or the production gap was not as great as what the production gap will be between Spencer Petrus and yes. Cade McNamara. Yep. I mean, he was if if Cade McNamara simply repeats what he did at Michigan in 2021, they are a much better team because that defense no. was filthy this yes. year. Then and Iowa, man, it's two of the best defenses in college football last year. Not even just the Big Ten, man. They got dudes everywhere on both those defenses. I mean, Jack Campbell's going to get drafted relatively high. They have the defensive end, Lucas Van Nexus, that's going to be the first round pick potentially. They have Riley Moss is probably going to be a draft pick playing corner. I mean, Illinois, I'll say this, Brian, if they can figure out their quarterback position and, you know, kind of figure out the run game next year, I know that that's a tall task of one off season. Illinois has got a lot of dudes coming back on defense, man. A couple of their best defensive linemen just announced that they're coming back this year as well. So those are two teams, man. If you can get just good offensive play, you don't need great offensive play at Illinois or Iowa. You need good offensive play. With the defenses they're building, they could be contenders. Like, I really think, it, at least in their side of the bracket, right? Do I think that they're going to win the Big Ten? It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that they're going to be a tough out and they're going to win some football games because they play tremendous defense. They just need solid offense. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve, it's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We have a mail. We have some super chats here, Ryan. We'll get to here. We got one from Jay Clampin Investments. Uh, very, very much. Appreciate that. Jay says, here's some ad revenue. Love the coffee mug. Also with the... Running back room stacked. Do you see a pathway for Jeremiah Love seeing carries? Also, NFL playoff and Super Bowl picks. Thanks. So first of all, Ryan, the mug he's talking about is Jay Clampin Investments is a Shamrock Club member. So he got a 
a free mug. I'd show it to you, but it's only for Gold Club members, and I'm not a Gold Club member. But as I've said, it's a lot like our our other mug, but it just has IB Club on it, which is I think pretty cool. So most of most people are starting to get those now. Do you see a pathway, Ryan, for Jeremiah Love getting carries? I do certainly. Now, will he be the guy? I mean, first of all, I hope that Notre Dame's dominant enough this year uh, that he's going to be able to play in three or four games. I mean, look for me. There's a lot of guys in this class that may not play a ton, but there's just no point in redshirting him. Jeremiah Love's not a five-year player. Jaden Greathouse is not a five-year player. Braylon James is not a five-year player. There's no need to to not play them. Jaden Osbury's not a five-year guy. Drake Bowen's not a five-year guy. Uh, maybe Preston Center is. Christian Gray's not. Micah Bell's not. Maybe Adon Schuler is. Maybe Ben Minich is. Brandon Hillman's not. Uh, play him. You know, some way, somehow, play him. So to me, every time I have a big lead, like Jeremiah Love should get five, six carries at least against Tennessee State. Yeah, same against Central Michigan. And yeah, you want to get Jadarian Price in there as well. And we had a, you know, we've had a lot of questions about his. I don't know where his recovery is. We'll see in the spring. I mean, I can tell you he's running and moving and doing drills and working he's out and all that. But he's is, certainly doing upper body workouts. Sure, so no doubt he, about has, that. he hasn't missed curl day in a long time. Uh, but we won't know how he is from a football recovery standpoint until he puts the pads on and can go out there and play again. So we'll we'll find out. But, I mean, yeah, I see a pathway from getting carries. And then depending on how good he is, you may say, hey, dude, we got to find more more of a home for this guy. But but honestly, it's going to be a little hard for him to get a bunch of touches this year because he's walking into an, an offensive football team that, you know, look, I get it. They weren't that good this year. They didn't score a lot this year. But there's a lot of talent on this offense, which is why I'm fired up about next year. So it, it'll, it'll be tough, but Jeremiah love is also the flip side, Ryan. He's really good. Yes. And could be hard to keep off the field. And, and he brings a dynamic that you are adding to this room soon, right? I mean, you have the thundering running style of an Aldrich estimate. You have the pretty smooth all around game of a Logan Diggs, right? But he's still a bigger back at about 214 pounds. Chris Tyree brings explosiveness. But now you're bringing more into that room with Jeremiah Love and potentially Jadarian Price coming back from injury. So there's going to be some explosiveness that is added to the Notre Dame room. There's no doubt about it. And I think that he's a player for me, right? Like, Jay, to your question, it is a stacked running back room. So is he going to be able to be the guy? Like, most likely not in year one, right? I mean, it's just not, it's not how it's kind of set up. But he's a guy that I think that you need to figure out how to get touches to, not only in that blowout situation, but like, if there's an opportunity to get Jeremiah Love on kick or punt return, right, to maybe get him an occasional touch or get him in the passing game in a specialized role, you know, from time to time, I think that he's the type of athlete that needs some type of volume, right? It's not going to be a whole volume because there's so many good running backs, but he's a player that I think is explosive and a guy that you need to try to get the football if you can. You need to try. Last part of that one, Ryan, I'll just give the two matchups. You tell me who you got. It's yep. uh, the San Francisco 49ers at Philadelphia. The Eagles are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Who you got, Ryan? I, I probably take the Eagles. It pains me to say because I'm an Eagle hater, but I probably have to. I mean, I'll defer to Jalen Hurts over Brock Purdy. Like, ultimately, that's the breaker, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know who's going to win because I don't. I haven't watched the Eagles play this year. I just know I'm rooting for San Francisco. Number one. I will, I will also be rooting yeah. for San Francisco. We, yes. Even even as a non-Philadelphia Eagles hater, I've never liked the Eagles, never hated the Eagles. It's more about Mike Shanahan's kid, right? Kyle Shanahan. I mean, I've been I've known about this kid since he was a teenager on the sidelines with his dad. You know what I mean? Uh, but also, you've got McGlinchey there. You've got 
uh, Aaron Banks there playing well for them. And I think it's a, you know, I just, I don't know. I, my grandpa was a favorite of that team too. So those are the reasons I'm rooting for it. But I, I, I like, I think Jalen Hurts is a great story. You know, I, yes. I, 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 I don't necessarily like the Eagles, but you know, that kid leaves Bama cause you know, Tua beats him out, goes to Oklahoma and then, you know, he's doing his thing in the NFL. Love it. And and everything I've ever heard about Jalen Hurts is that he's a great kid. Yes. So, you know, I mean, just how he handled the whole thing with Tua, like he was Tua's biggest supporter and, you know, all that stuff. But he just, you know, when the time came, he needed to go do what was best for him. And that was to go to what that was to go to Oklahoma and do what he needed to do. So uh, I, I like him, and but that's he, he's he's also a kid that's gotten continuously better. Yeah. I wasn't high on Jalen Hurts, but I will, one thing I will say is even going back to the freshman year of Alabama, he's pretty gotten pretty much better every single year since then. And like it's he hasn't really had too much stagnation. Like, yeah, he lost his job to Tua, right? But then he goes to Oklahoma, plays better. Rookie year, he's okay, but he gets better year two, gets better year three. Like he's just pretty much consistently gotten better, which tells me to back it up, right? Kid's a really hard worker. Like there's no doubt about it. And he he grinds. So good for Jalen Hurts. I agree. I will say this about the Niners though, or the Eagles. One thing I do not like their head coach. I don't Sirianni. like the Sirianni's. I don't, wrong like, way. Him. I don't yeah. like him or his brother. He's so. got Dan Lanning vibes, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan. I, 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 I call me old school, but I just I think coaches should act a certain way, and he doesn't, and I just don't like it. But uh, okay, so the other game, Ryan, is the Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs. I will say this: as much as I like Josh Allen, and I think the Bills were a great story, I was glad that they didn't win last week because I would have been pissed if that game would have been played in Atlanta. Because I think the NFL did that because they want to set up some sort of excuse to have championship games on neutral fields where they can sell, you know, they can get into a bidding war for who's going to host the semifinals. That's, yeah. in my opinion, one hundred percent why they did that. And I'm so glad they didn't get to have that opportunity because if that would have been a packed stadium, packed house, all this other kind of stuff, they'd be like, hey, we can make some money off this. Sure. And I think that sucks. Uh, and it's one of the many reasons I dislike Roger Goodell. I don't know if there's an if there's a commissioner now that I like. I mean, I think they're all terrible. Maybe the hockey commissioner's good. I don't know. I don't know anything about hockey. But I can't stand Roger Goodell. So I'm glad the Bengals won for that regard. But you have the Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by only a point. Why? Because Joe Burrow is 3-0 against Pat Mahomes. So who you got, Mr. Roberts? I think it goes to 4-0, man. I think I think mm. the Bengals, I do. I, I think that the Bengals had the better football team just overall. I just really do. I think they had the better football team. I think that they – I think they kind of have a little bit of chip on their shoulder after – the way they lost last year in the Super Bowl and kind of coming close and the Rams team beat them, obviously. But I, I think that they shored up the offensive line a lot better than it was last year, although they're dealing with an injury at left tackle right now. I think the defense is very good for Cincinnati quietly, like a really quality defense. Joe Burrow has taken that step to being one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL and all the talent that he has around him. I think Cincinnati wins that football game. I do. Here's my thing, Ryan. I – feel like they're the offenses are very similar talent the Chiefs score a lot more because the style of play is more yes. meant to be more there's a big difference on defense and the Chiefs have some individually very good players I mean Chris Jones is you know when I watch him play and it's not off but I watch playoff football he's turned into a pretty darn good football player oh he's a monster but their defense yeah. is just not good not that good not not championship level and to me that's the reason he's 0-3 Pat Mahomes 0-3 against Joe Burrow because it's not Pat Mahomes versus Joe Burrow it's the Chiefs versus the Bengals 
Right. And I just think that the Bengals, as you mentioned, the Bengals have the better defense, in my opinion. They make more stops. And I think that's the reason they're going to win. So it, it's just going to come down to the Chiefs' defense making stops. I mean, look what happened in the fourth quarter this year. Bengals shut the Chiefs out. They went in the fourth quarter. The Bengals were, were the Chiefs were winning, Ryan. It was 24 17. And why they lose? Because in the fourth quarter, Bengals outscored them 10 to nothing. Simple as that, right? The yep. Bengals defense made stops and the Chiefs couldn't. And that's the deal. So, uh, and then of course, there's the ankle injury. It was funny. Somebody put a video of like him walking off the stage at a recent press conference. And he's like walking off fine. And I was just like, you know, he got into that lock in, into the hallway. He's like, oh my God, that hurt so bad. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I had to walk like a champ, but I'm so much pain right now. But uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I just think the all around supporting cast in Cincinnati, I can't believe I'm saying this. The supporting cast in, in Cincinnati for the Bengals is it's really good. good. Man. And they've they done a great a job roster. building that. They really have. Yeah. They have not wasted any of their top picks recently. I mean, they've hit on almost all of them, right? I mean, can you think of a top pick, like top three round pick, honestly, that hasn't hit to some degree? I mean, for the most part, they've they've had a great track record in recent years. The, the Jackson Carmen pick hasn't been great. Yeah, that's otherwise, true. You're right. What you're round right. did they I mean, get him in? I think second round. Second man. round. Okay. Yeah, but that's what he, um, year, he's in year what two. This I think you're two he's, for him. He's, okay. he's starting at left tackle right now because Jonah Williams yeah. got bang, got hurt. He obviously. has not been a, okay. I'll say that one. Yeah. So he has not. He's not a bum. Nice, no, but he is not what you'd expect from a guy that was picked as high as he was picked. But he's still a starting left tackle. But like Dax Hill had a pretty good year this year, right? I'm not watched, sure about that one. Not sure. Um, for a rookie. He, he's playing for him, Not though, sure. right? I mean, he's playing for I him. Think? I think. Yeah, really Cam Britt Taylor, I believe, plays for him. He's a good player. Him. Right. Britt Taylor's a good player. Last yeah, year, they got Jamar Chase, right? That's that's or 2021, they got Jamar Chase, pretty good. Jackson Carmen, like you said, not yeah. not great. How's Joseph Osai been? Is he doing anything for him? A, he's, just, he's just a rotational pass okay. rusher for him. So. You got Joe yeah. Burrow, T. Higgins, Logan Wilson the year before that. It's pretty that's good. That's been a pretty good hit. Uh, the year before that, you first three rounds was Jonah Williams, Again, not a star, you know, Good not player, playing though. like you'd expect the number eleven overall pick, but he's starting left tackle. Yep. Drew Sample, I don't know if he's played from this year, Ryan. You'd know, but I mean, he played for him a bunch last year as a blocker. You know, I just know their number one tight end um, is Hayden Hurst. Yeah, that's all I know. But about the tight end he he blocked a lot from last year. He's more of a blocker type, and which is why yep. I never understood why he was going the second round. And then Jermaine Pratt in the second round. Yeah, yeah. Here's a guy I wanted to ask you about. How is is Michael Jordan playing for them at all? I don't think so. Oh, I think Michael oh. Jordan's terrible. I think. <laughs> yeah, I never understood that one. I never understood that one. Um, yeah, he got a ton of hype coming out of college. A ton of hype coming out of college. But I just was going yeah. through their draft picks. But they have they have hit really really well in recent years. Like really yep. well. Their success yep. rate is really good. Here's a guy that I hadn't uh, don't know. How's is Tyler Shelvin still with them? How's he doing? I haven't noticed him. Uh, I, I he a might be a rotational guy. player, maybe. DJ Reader is their dude inside. He yeah. is one of the better DJs. The kid from Clemson. Yes, he's a yeah, he stud a man. Stud. He was now. Is he the one that kind of had to step away from the team back in '15? He was having some. I think that was him. He had to step away from the Might team be. for a few weeks and then and bounce back, came back strong. Yeah, he was a good player, man. Clemson was, has one produced of, some dudes up front, man. He is. DJ Reader is one of the best I've ever seen of anchoring against double teams, man. Like, yeah. he just can't get moved off his spot. Mm-hmm. It is insane. Uh, John Ross was one that, that was a weird, like a yes. weird, <laughs> like, I just can't believe how bad he was. 
right? Just he's not even with them anymore, right? He's, he's uh, I don't, he's I don't even know if he's in the he's NFL been, anymore. He yeah, might not even be like, in the NFL. How do you not make in the NFL with four two two speed? Some other draft picks, obviously, have hit the uh, 2018 class. Billy Price has been banged up a lot. Is he is he healthy and playing for them, or is he kind of what's his? They, what's his I think status? he's on a different team now. Okay. He's on a different team. But then you've got Jesse Bates has been a good player for them. Great you got player. Sam Hubbard for yeah. them. Here's one of the biggest busts I've ever seen as a as a big time linebacker that I just thought was going to be really really good. Malik Jefferson. I feel like Malik Jefferson got drafted off his high school ranking because yes. there's nothing he did for the Longhorns that projected top three round pick. And of he course, was so talented. He was, man. He so was talented. really. He was really not good. I don't think he's doing. I don't think he's with them anymore. He got I don't think he's early. in the NFL anymore. Yeah, I don't. He think. got cut by the Bengals really early, yes. like really early. So I'm I'm rooting for the Bengals just because I'm a, I'm still a Broncos fan. I haven't completely given them up <laughs> on him yet. So as much as I like Pat Mahomes, a the people around him annoy me, uh, and I can't root for the Chiefs. But I do like Andy Reid. I think. So Andy Reid has always struck me as this like really serious guy, right? Like growing up, then you kind of find out he's kind of a goofball as you, as you get older, you feel like he likes wears Hawaiian shirts and stuff like that. But his, his state farm commercials with Pat Mahomes are frigging hilarious. Did you see that where he's drawing? He's drawing. Did you see his, um, (laughs) did you see his conversation this past week at a press conference about going to Germany next year? Uh -uh. Uh -uh. So someone asked him or he brought it up. I think he was like, yeah, man, I just can't wait to go to Germany so I can get a good bratwurst. (laughs) What the heck is wrong with you, man? What? All right. Sure. It was, it, was, it was like when they won the Super Bowl and they asked him what he was going to do next. He's like, I'm going to go get a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. He's a funny dude, man. Like, I just love the fact where he, Pat Mahomes, like, coach, it happened again. And he's got the marker and he's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. It's just it's really funny. I don't know why I find it so funny. Because I think partly because I've always assumed he was just this really serious guy for so long. Yeah, and so he's, that's really he's funny. not he's not a serious guy. Yeah, it's, so funny. yeah. it's 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 hilarious, man. I Offensive genius, though. You know what's the best yeah. thing about Andy Reid? Have you ever seen the punt pass kick competition that he was in when he was a little kid? Mm-mm. Oh, I you remember need to those. look this up, man. It's so funny. I mean, I feel like we should like play it right now on this show. It is that funny. It is hysterical. Uh, I, may, I may look it up. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah. Please do. I guarantee yeah. it's the first thing on YouTube. It's like Andy Reid pump pass kick, and it'll pop right up. Yeah. I swear, it's so funny. Uh, so. Brandon Plinsner said, "You mean you're not cheering for Ian Book and the Eagles, Brian?" <laughs> the little LOL there. First of all, I didn't even realize that Ian Book was on the Eagles. That's how much I care about Ian, Ian Book's professional career. But you know, if the Eagles win it all, it's gonna be like, see, Ian Book's just a winner. <laughs> That's yes. what people are gonna say. <laughs> like, you wow, no, it. no career attempts you, for the Eagles. But great you know, you know that's gonna happen. You know yes. it's going to happen. All right, let's get back up here to uh, to some some of these questions here, Ryan. Let's get back to yep. the top. From John A1, it seems the powers of the Big Ten aren't using acquisition fees in recruiting. Has the talent gap grown between the SEC and Southern schools because of this? Oh, boy. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, is is – Here's my thing. Everybody keeps talking about how here's the thing that annoys me, Ryan. And it's kind of like this whole when Notre Dame didn't get Keon Keeley and Peyton Bowen because of NIL. Like, well, what makes you say that? Well, because they lost them and it's because of NIL. And I was like, well, when has Notre Dame ever gotten a Keon Keeley? So what was the reason before? You know, it's like nothing's changing. You just now have a new boogeyman to point to as the reason why it's changing, you know, and 
SEC dominates recruiting. Yeah, that's always been the case. Because a lot of but, talent comes from the South. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, the, yeah. The, again, I, I point back to, I don't care what anybody says. This is the best Notre Dame recruiting class I've had in a decade. It just is. I don't care what the rankings say. You can rank it however you want. I really don't care. You know, I just want 247 just released their new top 100. Yeah. Or two top two, you know, 247 or whatever. And you're just looking at it you're like, this is just so stupid. And it's not even just Notre Dame guys. Like they have Jason Moore in the 70s. And you just look at it. You're like, that dude's not even the top 100. Not even Notre Dame guys. You're just, this is dumb. This is just so useless. It's getting I, worse I, and worse and worse to where the rankings just, just stop mattering anymore. But yeah. Okay. Was, was guess it what, true that I, I didn't look at that recent ranking. Was it true that Brandon Vernon wasn't in the top 247 now? Apparently no, 247. He's not. That's he's not. insane. Man. No, he's not. It's <laughs> insane. Um, you know, so it just you just look at it and you're just like, I just stop caring about these right. things, you know, and, and so so yeah, okay, they 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 won the rankings wars. But look, here's the deal. Ohio State landed a really good class. Notre Dame landed a really good class. Penn State landed another really good class. Yep. Uh, Oklahoma landed a really good class. Is it as good as people rank it? No, but it's a really good class. Oregon landed a really good class. Texas landed a really good class. So I would actually argue that non-SEC schools gained on the SEC this year. Well, Alabama, Alabama always does that. Everybody's freaking out about this Alabama. It's this is no different than any other Alabama class. And so they got nine five stars. No, they didn't. They got nine guys that were ranked as five stars. They didn't land nine guys that are actually five star players because a lot of those guys weren't ranked high until Alabama went after them. Sure. You know, and so I point this out every year. Alabama did what they do every year. They're phenomenal at recruiting players. Georgia did what they do every year. But the thing is, the other schools got even better. Yes. And so that's the difference. Alabama recruited an X number. Does anyone want to tell me that Alabama didn't have the most talented roster in the country last year? Does anybody want to really try to tell me that? What happened? Does anyone want to tell me that they didn't have a better roster than Tennessee or LSU or Texas A&M? Of course they did. Or Texas. Of course they did. But it's not always about that. So Alabama's just doing what they always do, right? But Texas got better. Oregon got better talent-wise. Oklahoma got better. Notre Dame got better. Ohio State's still doing their thing. Penn State keeps getting better. So I I think the gap is closing, in my opinion. And and the reason why, Ryan, because not every kid cares about the acquisition. Look, not every kid cares about that. And I know some of you are just going to ignore that I'm saying this. And it's fine. Whatever. It is what it is. But not every kid cares about that. They don't. There's there's plenty of Jaden Rashadas out there. But there's also plenty of Jeremiah Loves and Jaden sure. Greathouses and Charles Jagasols and Drake Bowens and Jaden Allsbury and Christian Grays and Braylon Jameses yeah. and, and, and guys like that. Look, Ohio State's not playing, paying big bucks for kids in the acquisition fees. And yet they still got Brandon Ennis out of Florida. They yep. still got Noah Rogers out of North Carolina. They still got good players because not every kid cares about that, right? As far as you got to pay me up front to do X. And so um, it's just not what people make. It's just the new boogeyman, Ryan, and it used to be this or that. There was always some excuse for why the SEC recruits very well. They've been doing this for 20 years, you know? And so I just, whatever. I just, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that fired up about it. So, sure. yeah. Um, yeah. Hold on one second. Yep. Let me see here uh, real fast. Hold on a second. 
might be having some news here soon. Uh -oh. um, all right, so let's go to the next question here. Um, got some really good questions here today. I did. We did have a couple super chats, and uh, let me find one here. Here's here we go from Tyler Evans. From Tyler Evans, who will be the next Notre Dame player in the NFL Hall of Fame, in your opinion? I mean, so the is there anybody that has just recently retired that would be that guy, Brian? Because like the first two guys that came to mind were Zach Martin was one that came. To, I mean, he's a slam dunk hall of famer like there's yeah. no doubt he's one of the best guards to ever play football harrison smith i think will get in eventually but i don't know if he's like a first ballot guy you know i think zach martin though is like yeah. the minute he's eligible he's in the hall of fame like there's yeah. no doubt about it you know like he's a no doubter i mean because now that brian young's in and jerome bettis is in uh Which I, I Ricky feel like Waters? Ricky, Ricky Waters is one, but like I just he don't should think that be he's, in, in my opinion. I, I he think. should be in. Yeah. I I feel like some people don't like his personality, so they're not going to vote him in, though. Like that's just I get that, I get that. Yeah. But look, if you're going to have Lawrence Taylor in, then you know personality shouldn't really matter <laughs> about yes. it. You know, Ricky Waters is a is a was a he was a darn good football player, no doubt. And the other thing too is he did it over a period of time. Yeah, he didn't do it in, in an era where it was like um, he did it over the course of, you know, 30 years, right? He's one of the top 25 rushers of all time. Yes. And, you know, he also had a lot of a lot of receiving yards, you know, a lot of receiving yards and during his career. So, and here's the other thing. He's a champion, right? He's a Super Bowl champ. He won a championship with the 49ers. So he had what's he one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years of a thousand yards um rushing. So he had ten thousand four six hundred and forty-three rushing yards, and during his career, he had four thousand two hundred and forty-eight receiving yards during his career. So he had he had one, two, three, four, five, six years of over four hundred receiving yards and two years over six hundred receiving yards. So you're talking about a guy that's got sixteen thousand, excuse me, uh, um, you know, almost fifteen thousand total yards of offense that's that's a hall of fame career in my opinion yeah and like he retired at 32 won, yeah right and he so won he multiple like super bowls 40. right so, uh one right one. with the niners i think he just won the one with the niners that would be because he was with the niners for three years won a super bowl and then he was with the eagles and seahawks after that yeah and i don't think when did the seahawks did this the seahawks didn't win a super bowl he, during he that wasn't, they didn't he win wasn't one on the team. No. Yeah, I was trying to think of the team with Hasselback, but that was after him. But that team didn't win it. They lost to the Steelers. They lost. Yep. So he just had the one with the Niners. So yeah, but I think you're right, Ryan. It's it's here's the thing: how far apart, regarding Zach Martin, um, Harrison Smith deal, how far apart do they retire? That would be the other thing. Like, let's say Harrison Smith retires in a year because he's getting up there in age a little bit. Well, Zach Martin as an offensive lineman could play for another eight, nine, 10 years. He could look at Andrew Whitworth, right? 10 might be stretching it where Harrison Smith, like once Harrison Smith loses a step as a defensive back, you're, you're kind of done. You know I mean? Your, your, your lifespan is not the same. I mean, unless you were a freaky speed guy, like a Rod Woodson who could lose a step and still be a four, four, you know what I mean? Like Daryl green could lose three steps and he's still a four, four. You know, did I, did I ever tell you that I, I have a Daryl Green story? I think you would like this. Okay. So my my high school head coach actually was a so he played at NC State 
And then he was a undrafted free agent the same year that Daryl Green came out. So he was with the, the Redskins at the time. And they used to run 40-yard dashes to end the practice or whatever. And they used to time them. He said that – so my, my coach ran 4-4 flat coming out, of high, coming out of college. Like he was a very fast player. He had to run against Daryl Green. And he said Daryl Green beat him by five yards on a 40-yard dash, and he ran a 4-4 flat 40. Like, just yeah. to put that in context, Daryl is stupid fast. <laughs> stupid yes. fast, man. They used to have these – I don't know if you ever saw them, Ryan. They're, they're, Fastest man? Yes. Yeah. And he would just smoke people. I mean, yes. there was one – I'm trying to remember. He was racing, her, Russian, uh, racing Herschel Walker one year. Mm-hmm. Herschel Walker could fly. He just smoked them. Yes. You're just like – this guy's insane. This guy's. I, I read somewhere that he on his fiftieth birthday he went out and ran a forty yard dash and ran a four five. That's wild. I read that somewhere. He just wanted to see how fast he could still run, and he ran a four five at fifty. At fifty, it's nuts. He was so fast, so fast, Man. and a really good guy from everything I've ever ever read and heard about him. So. You, yeah. you know what they need to do, Brian? They need to get rid of the Pro Bowl together because they're turning into a flag football thing it's now. It's ridiculous. They need to get rid of it, and they need to bring back the fastest man competition. The skills competitions, yeah. Yes. You remember when Larry Allen used to dominate the bench press Yeah, every and they had the quarterback year? things where it's like John yes. Elway. And do that, Dan man. Marino. There's do one that. year literally in that skills competition where it's Dan Marino, Brett Favre, Joe Montana, and, and John Elway were all in it. Like, that's I know. freaking I used, awesome. You know? I used to watch it every year, man. You need to just get, bring back the skills competition, get rid of the – like, you can still vote for the Pro Bowl. That's cool, whatever. You just have all pros. I mean, why do exactly. we need all pros and Pro Bowlers? You know what I mean? You've got your all pros, and then bring back the competition. And then give them some money if the winner gets some money, you know, because that's about the only thing you can do to convince them to come out and do it. And more guys yeah. will be willing to participate in those things because there's less opportunity for injury, right? Yeah. Like they'll be like, "Yeah, I'll play. That's cool." Bring that back the good. fastest man competition, like they used to have. You know, that'd be that'd be a lot of fun. You remember when they used to have the they used to have the retired players playing those flag football games or whatever? Mm-hmm. That was fun. That'd too. be that fun. fun. That yeah, was fun. that'd be a lot of fun. I'd love to see that. See John Elway's old tail getting out there trying to sling that thing around. That'd be a lot of fun. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.